The year was 1944. The date was a few weeks before the Allied invasion of Nazi-held Europe. The event was the assigning of an English officer, Second Lieutenant Clifton James, to the unusual task of impersonating British General Bernard Montgomery. James had a very natural resemblance to the famous general, so he spent quite a bit of time with him learning to imitate how he walked, talked, smiled, ate, saluted, and he soon mastered that new role. The new Monty was taken to Gibraltar, where he leaked information about a special plan for the Allied forces to invade southern France. The Nazi agents relayed the information to Hitler. This imitator impersonator went on to Algiers and to the Middle East, leaking the same info, allowing the lurking informers to hear it. The new Monty played the role so well that he not only fooled enemy enemy intelligence, hard to say, but also many high-ranking English brass. As a result, Hitler deployed his forces to a large degree to the south of France, away from the English Channel, making it easier for the Allied forces to get a successful foothold on the continent on D-Day. The English officer, when he imitated Monty, was given a special assignment. And we, as God's children, have been given a special assignment. We are called to be imitators of God. A goal of our Father's redeeming us is that we would become and resemble more and more the Lord Jesus Christ. Turn with me in your Bibles to Ephesians 5. Paul has been dealing in chapter 4 with taking off the old self and putting on the new self. Let's begin by reading actually in chapter 4, verse 30, as we see the context in which Paul writes from prison, calling them and us to be imitators of God. Hear the word of God. And do not grieve the Holy Spirit of God by whom you were sealed for the day of redemption. Let all bitterness and wrath and anger and clamor and slander be put away from you along with all malice. Be kind to one another, tenderhearted, forgiving one another as God in Christ forgave you. And Paul says that because we are forgiven by God, therefore be imitators of God as beloved children and walk in love as Christ loved us and gave himself up for us a fragrant offering and sacrifice to God. But sexual immorality and all impurity or covetousness must not even be named among you as is proper among saints. Let there be no filthiness, nor foolish talk, nor crude joking, which are out of place. But instead, let there be thanksgiving. For you may be sure of this, that everyone who is sexually immoral or impure or who is covetous, that is an idolater, has no inheritance in the kingdom of Christ and God. Let no one deceive you with empty words. For because of these things, the wrath of God comes upon the sons of disobedience. Therefore, do not become partners with them. For at one time you were darkness, but now you are light in the Lord. Walk as children of light. For the fruit of light is found in all that is good and right and true. And try to discern what is pleasing to the Lord. 
Take no part in the unfruitful works of darkness, but instead expose them, for it is shameful even to speak of the things that they do in secret. But when anything is exposed by the light, it becomes visible. For anything that becomes visible is light. Therefore it says, Awake, O sleeper, and arise from the dead, and Christ will shine on you. Look carefully then how you walk, not as unwise, but as wise, making the best use of the time because the days are evil. Therefore do not be foolish, but understand what the will of the Lord is. And do not get drunk with wine, for that is debauchery, but be filled with the Spirit, addressing one another in psalms and hymns and spiritual songs, singing and making melody to the Lord with your heart. Give thanks always for everything to God the Father in the name of our Lord Jesus Christ, submitting to one another out of reverence for Christ. The word of the Lord. Let us pray. Father, we come today and we ask that you would be here with us. Life is simply too short not to heed your word. Give us ears to hear and hearts to obey for your glory and our good. In the matchless name of Jesus, amen. So right in the middle of these two lists in chapters four and five of how we are practically to live our lives, Paul commands us to be imitators of God, walking in love, walking as children of light, and walking in wisdom. This morning, we will talk about knowing and being. Being imitators of God and knowing who we are as beloved children. First, we are commanded to be imitators of God. Now, what would the early Ephesians believers have heard when Paul calls them to be imitators of God? The word Paul uses is the word from which we get our words mimic and mime and imitate, meaning to copy someone's actions. The early followers of Jesus in Ephesus were familiar with the Roman and Greek mimes of the day who would act out events or certain, imitate certain people, often wearing masks to do so. Pete and Chuck have mentioned the remains of the Temple of Artemis in ancient Ephesus, but the most important intact structures in the excavated ancient city of today are the library, which held tens of thousands of documents. And the theater, this theater was the first thing visible to those arriving in the port city. It was used for gladiator and animal fights, as well as for political and philosophical discussions, and also for plays and musical events. In fact, it's still used today for concerts. The people in ancient Ephesus might be encouraged to mimic or to imitate the famous orators or the philosophers of the day who influenced the thought and action of everyone. People like Aristotle or Plato, Homer, Virgil, Cicero, or Demosthenes. One historian even tells of Alexander the Great imitating the great Artemis, wearing a garment like hers in his chariot. But the average person certainly would not be imitating the mythical goddess Artemis. They only knew her as a stone idol. And that's a whole different story that we'll talk about sometime. But Paul steps in and he says, imitate God. Paul was not saying to impersonate God. There's a huge difference between being an imitator and an impersonator. Impersonation 
is when you try to fool someone into thinking you are another person, like the story that I started with. God is holy. We are not. God created all things out of nothing. We don't do that. Being Christ-like is not wearing a robe or sandals or having a beard. It's not being a carpenter or walking everywhere. We do not try to give the impression that we are impersonators of Jesus or that we are Jesus. We don't wear masks or we shouldn't. We can imitate Christ and still be ourselves. In fact, in all of our diversity, we can be ourselves and we can still look like Jesus, each one of us. And that's the challenge that we have before us today. The early followers of Jesus were to be like Jesus, taking on his actions of love and his words of ministering to others along with his attitude and mind. In Philippians, Paul says to have the same mind in us that Jesus had. In humility, count others more important than yourselves. Let each of you look out not only for his own interest, but also to the interest of others. Have this mind among yourselves which is yours in Christ Jesus. And here in Ephesus, Paul is saying to do the things for others, which Jesus does for us, like forgive and be kind and to love. These things become, from verse two, a fragrant offering and a sacrifice to God, things which please God and bring glory to him. Before I develop any further, this thought of being imitators, I have to tie it to what else Paul said. Be imitators as beloved children. It is only as we know who we are as beloved children that we can truly be what Paul is calling us to be. We must embrace who we are. Know you are beloved children. But what about you? Do you know that you are beloved Now, we know that we live in a broken world and that we are part of that brokenness, but do we bask in the fact that we are the beloved of God? We have as many stories here as we have people here, and for some of us, we never felt beloved by our parents. Many did, and if you did, praise the Lord and be thankful, but some of us did not even know our parents because of choices they made or because of an early death or for whatever reason. And because of that, we probably have a much harder time truly feeling beloved by our Heavenly Father. The great majority of us, when we get in touch with our stories, would have to admit that we come from dysfunctional families. I did. Um, My kids did. Um... (laughs) My family's dysfunctional because I am a broken person. And at this stage in my life, I'm just figuring out better how to be a father and a husband and to love and to serve. Life is so short. We have to get serious about obeying and loving and living out this special assignment that we've been given and to do so with great joy. Scotty Smith prays, convince us again, O Lord, that we are much more beloved than broken. I love that. Convince us again that we are much more beloved than broken. 
Lord, would you work that in our hearts and our minds and allow us to rest in and live out of the beauty of knowing that we are your beloved. See how great a love the Father has bestowed upon us that we should be called children of God. For that is what we are, 1 John 3. Two chapters before, Paul had just prayed for the followers of Jesus that they and we, being rooted and grounded in love, may be able to comprehend with all the saints what is the breadth and length and height and depth and to know the love of Christ that surpasses knowledge, that we may be filled with all the fullness of God. And if we know his love for us like that, we will know indeed that we are his beloved. And at the same time, I know that we can know in our heads that we are loved and yet not feel it in our hearts. And we have an enemy who does not want us to believe that we even can be loved. The lies come that no one could really love us. And Paul will tell us about our enemy in the chapter coming next. But I would exhort you and me to bathe ourselves in the truth and to fight to embrace the truth from 1 Peter, knowing that you were ransomed from the futile ways inherited from your forefathers, not with perishable things such as silver or gold, but with the precious blood of Christ, like that of a lamb without blemish or spot. Now, blood, which is shed out of love, makes us objects of his great, never-ending, effective love. Therefore, we are the beloved Embrace it, believe it, marinate in it, defeat the lies with the truth. And as we know who we are, the beloved children of God, and we rest in that and trust in that, we are freed to act like the children of God. He empowers by his spirit, his children, and the children of God should have a family resemblance to the one who gave us life. The most common imitating that goes on is with the greatest imitators of all, our children, imitating parents. Children are masters at imitating. That's how they learn. I can remember when Sarah Jane was a few years old and she and I went into an elevator and I realized that she was imitating me. And what I do is I go in an elevator and I always go to the back wall and for some reason I cross my legs and I put my hands on the rail. But I look down and Sarah Jane's looking up at me and she's going like this and then she's grabbing the rail like this. Children imitate their parents. Being a parent is dangerous. Some of you know that. We're being watched all the time by our children. They notice everything. They take on some of our characteristics. They may take on some of our actions, good or bad. They may take on some of our words, good or bad, along with our fears and our worries. Maybe you've heard about the school teacher who told the parent, "Um, I will not believe everything your child tells me about you if you will not believe everything your child tells you about me. 
Pete has been challenging us to break out. And God has broken into our lives. God has done so to empower us to break out being imitators of God, impacting our world, our realms of influence with the grace of the Lord Jesus, which has gripped us and empowers us now to pay it forward. Chuck challenged us to be in the game, all of us using our gifts, our times, our talents, our treasures. That is where we want to be heading as a church. Your leaders have been looking afresh at our mission and vision as a church. As we seek to be disciples advancing Christ's kingdom, and as we seek to be nurturing transformation through the things that we do, like worship and community and service, do you want that as a disciple, as a follower of Christ, to be advancing Christ's kingdom, to be nurturing transformation, I would invite you to be part of what God is doing and what God is going to be doing in and through us, his church right here at Orangewood. Well, how do you get there? I'll tell you in Paul's words, the words of God to us. Be imitators of God as beloved children. Can you imagine all of us getting serious about that? It would change our families. It would change our church, our city, our world. Being imitators of God is another way of coming at our sanctification. Now, our justification is an act of God, declaring us righteous by the work of the Lord Jesus Christ. But our sanctification is the work of God. It's the process of our growing in Christ. Being imitators of God is another way of coming at our growth in grace, our walking in the Spirit, our maturity. Years ago, a friend I grew up with um, had a young daughter who asked her, Mom, what does it mean to be mature? Now, Paula has always been very bright and very good with words. And she said to her daughter, maturity is when you treat others nicer than yourself, when you love others more than yourself. And when she was telling me this, I was thinking, what a brilliant answer that is to the question. Well, the daughter had another question. Mom, do you know anyone who is mature? Um, She didn't answer that one quite so quickly. Um, Of course, the ultimate answer to the question is Jesus. We must begin by looking at the mature one, the perfect one, and imitate him. As we experience his love, we extend that love to others. How do we imitate God? We certainly cannot create and care for the universe like he did. We cannot devise a method of satisfying divine justice. We don't rise from the dead, but in our knowing him and his character and his attributes, his actions while here on earth, we then are empowered by his spirit. And we certainly can, even as part of his creation, imitate him. And obedience to the command to imitate him is possible for at least three reasons. We have been created in his image first, Then we have his enabling spirit dwelling within us. And then by his transforming grace, we have become his beloved children. We said that beloved children are the greatest of all imitators. 
Children follow examples put before them. And we, as God's children, have the example of Jesus. Let me illustrate how powerful example is. Let me encourage all of you to take your finger and make a circle like this. Okay, now I want you to take that circle and put it on your chin. Okay, let's try it again. Take that circle and put it on your chin. Okay. If you haven't gotten it yet, ask somebody later, okay? Um, The power of example is huge. Have you ever found yourself saying to your child, do what I say, not what I do? Jesus never needed to say that. His holiness in actions matches his holiness in character. Children are probably better at doing what we do than what we say. In fact, one author said, children have never been good at listening to their elders, but they have never failed to imitate them. A child so often resembles the parent in looks and walk and gestures and values and actions and convictions and faith. And as we grow closer to God and know him more deeply, we should be becoming more mature in imitating him and being like him. And others, hopefully, will start seeing Jesus in us. Just yesterday, I was at a memorial service, and the adult daughter there said the exact same thing as famous missionary John Patton said. He said, God was so real to my father that he became real to me. Someone might say, well, I can't imitate God because I don't know him very well. The question is, well, how well do you know him? And are you imitating him to the level that you do know him? Our being imitators is never going to be perfect. In fact, it may be like looking at one of those mirrors at the carnival in the house of mirrors where our image is sort of distorted, but you can still tell that it is you. That's how our imitating is. Not perfect, but a reflection of Jesus. And ponder this. You and I may be the best reflections of Jesus that someone is going to see this week. Will there be any resemblance there? Mark a couple weeks ago, spoke on the minorities amongst us, the refugees amongst us, which came right out of Ephesians. And he said this, may Orangewood be an embassy for the kingdom of heaven here on earth. May we be ambassadors, beams of hope and understanding for weary travelers we encounter. The church is God's plan for people seeing and experiencing hope in this world. And I would add to that, that they will experience that as they see God's beloved children loving and forgiving, reflecting Jesus. Just yesterday also, I heard of an adult who told another, you are the first Christian I have ever met who loved me. Someone else might say, if I could just see God, it would be easier to be an imitator of him. The good news is that Jesus, the God-man, did become flesh. And we have his word so we can see him. 
So we can know what Christ is like, his life, his character, his actions, his attitude, his words. There are so many areas of Christ's life that we do know about. And there are so many principles we can learn and apply to our lives, being imitators of Christ. For instance, we could certainly imitate Christ's prayer life, or he gave us a prayer to pray. We could imitate how he dealt with temptation, with the word itself. We could imitate how he dealt with people with compassion and mercy. What I would like to do now is simply bring this home to us by examining one exhortation from this passage, which Christ embodied and which we are to imitate. If we go back to Ephesians 4.32, Paul challenged us, or Pete challenged us as, as last week as Paul does today, forgiving of each other just like God in Christ also has forgiven us. There is no more crucial issue for any of us to deal with than that of forgiveness. Why? Because we have been forgiven. And yet we say, so-and-so has hurt me And I just can't forgive. If I do, I might get hurt again. We say, yes, I know that Christ forgave me and that I'm supposed to forgive, but my situation is so hard and it's unique. No one else understands what it's been like for me. For some, the hurt has come from an event. And for some, it has come from long-rooted patterns. And the hurt is real. And we may feel powerless. And so we feel stuck, unable to forgive and move forward. If you find yourself playing some variation of that tape, and we all do at some time in our life, let me urge you to take your eyes off of yourself. And if you hear nothing else today, hear this. Focus on your beautiful, all-forgiving Savior, Jesus And on his powerful cross, God the Father sent Jesus to live and to die for us while we were still sinners, while we had offended him to the hilt. Remember, Christ nailed to the cross says, Father, forgive them for they do not know what they are doing. If you're having a hard time forgiving another, consider that right now. What's the most difficult situation confronting you? Who's the person that might come to mind? Most people, I believe, really want to forgive. And a battle is truly going on inside of us. The person you need to forgive may have never asked for forgiveness. He or she may not even know that you are hurt by them or they may not care. They may not even be alive. It may be a spouse or a friend. Forgiving is a deliberate action that you take in releasing another person from what he or she has done. The irony in it all is that you are the one who is most freed by your forgiveness. We've been forgiven much, And we must forgive. The story is told of a young boy who lived in the Swiss Alps. And he loved to shout and hear his voice echo. And he would go out and he would yell, hello, hello, hello. And I love you. I love you. I love you. And one day 
He was disciplined by his grandfather. And in his anger, this young boy went out and he yelled, I hate you. And it came back. I hate you. I hate you. I hate you. And it kept coming. When we don't forgive, the echo comes back. And sometimes it is even louder in the reverberations. And it eats away in bitterness and hurt. Ephesians says, be kind to one another, tenderhearted, forgiving one another as God in Christ forgave you. Therefore, be imitators of God as beloved children and walk in love as Christ loved us. Let his forgiveness of you, coupled with the power of the empty tomb and the intercession of the one on the occupied throne, fill you. And empower you to forgive. Forgive and release the other person. Let Christ carry that burden. Forgive and free yourself. Michelle used the word courage that this young lady had on the video. Um, Be encouraged. Be filled with courage to do the right thing. I read of a Muslim who came to know the love of Jesus. He lived in North Africa. And after being baptized as a follower of Christ, he was the subject of much hostility and hatred from his fellow villagers. And after watching all that he went through and all the abuse, all the persecution, one villager came to him and he was taunting him. And he said, what have you gotten out of it by becoming a Christian? And he very humbly replied, now I have the power to forgive you. Friends, in Christ, we have the power to forgive. Appropriate it. Don't let another day go by without forgiving, just as you have been forgiven. You're never more like Jesus than when you forgive. Having been forgiven, you now imitate Jesus and you forgive others. If a Muslim background believer can forgive because he has become a beloved child, there is no reason why you and I cannot forgive. If Paul, sitting in a Roman jail, can forgive, and he did because he knew that he was a beloved child of God, if we have experienced the same belovedness in Christ, and if we have the same power working inside of us, we are freed to forgive just like Jesus did. In closing, imitating is good, but it's not good enough to get us into heaven. Our imitating Jesus does not save us any more than 2nd Lieutenant Clifton James became the real General Bernard Montgomery when he impersonated him. We are saved by the grace of the Lord Jesus Christ. As we transfer our trust in ourselves to get us into heaven to Christ, the one who died and offers us the free gift of eternal life. He offers us forgiveness of our sin. And then the meaningful life of becoming imitators of Christ begins, living in gratitude to him. Some try to walk the steps of the master imitating him who have not taken the first step of trusting him as Lord and Savior. In fact, Mahatma Gandhi said, I wish I could be Christ-like without being a Christian. 
That is impossible. To truly emulate and imitate the pattern of Jesus in the outer life takes the power of Christ in the inner life. Be imitators of God. Do you and I get what that means? Christ has broken in and we are now to break out into a world of great need. I'm going to throw out some descriptions here of what else being imitators of Christ could mean as beloved children. You can see Jesus in each of these statements as we think about being imitators of God as beloved children. Walk in love. Walk as children of light. Walk in wisdom. Forgive. Give thanks. Be filled with the Spirit. Bless the one in need. Serve the one who is down. Love the one who is hurting. That's what our deacons and a few others of you did yesterday with a family in great need. Advance the kingdom. Nurture transformation. Being imitators of God is making visible the invisible. Find something broken and fix it. Say, not on my watch. That's what two ladies from Orangewood said over 30 years ago when the reality of abortion was becoming readily available in our city. They started True Life Choice, now Choices Women's Clinic. They said, not on my watch. Get in the game. See a need. Meet it. Just do something. Be all in. Break out being imitators of God as beloved children. Be who you are, the beloved. Friends, you've been given a special assignment. Actually, even more strongly, you have been commanded by the one who has made you his beloved child. Be imitators of God. Jesus comes and changes everything. Let us pray. Father, we come today needing to know in the depth of our being that we are your beloved. Drive it home. Empower us by your spirit to be imitators of God that the world might see you and know you. Let us not be content to have you start with someone else. Start with me, Lord. Start with me. And give each of us the grace to forgive as we have been forgiven. For the glory of Jesus, we pray. Amen.